Chris Evans here. Thanks for downloading this week's podcast on the Best of the Rec Show with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up today, the Crown Prince of Theatre, Andrew Lloyd Webber, is bringing magic back to the stage in his brand new adaptation of Cinderella coming to the West End in spring 2021. The man that's a lot more than all right, all right, all right. Matthew McConaughey turns the pages of his love letter to life, green lights, and a playbook for life it is too. I couldn't put it down. And the man with the voice as sharp as his wit, Rob Brydon, joins us ahead of taking his eight-piece band on the road next year for a night of songs and laughter. Plus, Aussie goddess, yes, Kylie Minogue, actual Kylie Minogue has us all dancing up a storm with her hot off the press 15th studio album, Disco. All of that and loads more still to come. Now, Dapper Dave, tell us, who's the first guest? We should be so lucky getting new music from Kylie Minogue. Hang on, we are! Her brilliant new album, Disco, is out today and here to get it spinning around, especially for you, is a lady we just can't <laughs> get out of our heads. It's the one and only Kylie Minogue! Oh. <laughs> Right. Bravo. <laughs> Very well done. That was good, wasn't it, Kylie? Yeah, I like that. You've got to be happy with that one. Um, you, yeah. you can have that. We can license that to you for a pound a, a, pound a show, if you like. <laughs> Uh, All so, right. So how are you? What's going down? Well, um, big day for me. It's my album release, which seems wild. I feel like it was <laughs> two minutes ago that that, uh, that Golden was out, and then Step Back in Time, Greatest Hits. But this goes out today, so yeah, I can kind of um, exhale a little bit. Isn't it funny? This is your fifteenth morning feeling like this in your career. Your fifteenth studio. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Well done. Well, thank you. Well, because you, because you know, part of the deal, isn't it, in life? You just got to keep on turning up, haven't you? You keep turning up. You learn from what you've done before, and I think if it's, you know, if you've got a passion for what you do, you, you almost, you know, you'll knock the door down. You just want to have another go, and and um, especially with creativity, there's just it's, it's an endless, uh, there's endless possibility. And when you say, you know, so I can now breathe a sigh of relief, just just tell us about that. Tell us about what that means to you, that moment. So, yeah, I started recording this album before lockdown, but a lot of it was made in lockdown at home on my own. <laughs> so as much as I was working remotely with people, it was it was intense. It was it was um, kind of all consuming, which was great that it was a way it was like a a coping mechanism and I could kind of uh, lose myself in the work every day. But now that I'm, now that it's done and it's about to, you know, it's out for the world to hear, I am reminded of, of, um, of doing, you know, making so much of it at home alone, but the prospect of it, the, the, the drive to help me do it, knowing it would one day reach people. So it's, this album release seems even more emotional than previous ones. But music is one of the things that can make it directly into people's homes. You're so right. You know, and yesterday we were playing some live tracks from our Car Fest festivals over the last uh, few years, which we had to postpone this year for obvious reasons. And yeah. you, know, you, you hear live you hear live versions of songs on the radio or you get live albums at home, and they're fantastic. But when we played them yesterday, Kylie, because we've not had any live music in our lives mm-hmm. and we've not been to things that are live this year... God, it stirred us. We were, it, 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 it brought us all to tears. We were literally, yeah. we were crying in the studio. <laughs> oh, it's emotional, isn't it? it so really is. we have to just, we have to look forward to when we can do that again. And um, 
Yeah, let the, let the tears fall for when they need to now because I think the emotion's good. It just reminds us how much we miss togetherness. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? And how much we appreciate things that we didn't realise we appreciate. And that live, exactly. live music, community, you know, um, togetherness, all so important. And the great thing about about music gatherings as opposed to sporting gatherings and i love sporting gatherings is that when you go and watch a live music event you're all on the same side you know it's not them and us it's not the blues against the reds it's the blues with the blues <laughs> that's true it's so funny yeah. isn't it and i didn't sort of realize that until just thinking about things here's a great stat this is a fantastic stat if disco gets to number one which it will by the way uh kylie well, don't make me nervous it will, I'm not, I mean, kylie, of course it will it will you're kylie Minogue, you're great and it's disco i'm gonna break out in a rash okay go on it will get to number one <laughs> kylie if it doesn't it, look if it doesn't tell me how many copies you need to get to number one and i'll i'll go and buy them myself <laughs> that's how confident i am this is definitely going to be number one if disco goes to number one um uh kylie could join David Bowie as the only solo artist in the UK charts to achieve number one albums in five consecutive decades. What? <laughs> I know. You really have to do the math, don't you? Yeah. I'm 52, so I guess we've just tipped into a new decade. Um, so it is a stat. I'm so glad I had no idea of this when I was making the album. <laughs> I just could not have handled the pressure. But, yeah, if I can do it, it would be just so phenomenal to be the first females who have done it um and if i don't i think i've got nine more years to try <laughs> to try and achieve it so the current single if a single is anything nowadays is called what magic magic is the current single okay now i thought it was something else is there not i like it on the album oh i see no there's there's a song called i love it which I love is kind it. of like a buzz track right. which i do I love that song as well i right. love i love i love it okay i love i love it too but i thought it's a very cheeky title because all the djs who are introducing it have got to say here's kylie yeah. minogue and i love it is that why yeah. you did it because that's so naughty <laughs> no, but that's it that's a good point <laughs> yeah because we suggested earlier on that maybe the title for a next single you want to sort of um, do a surprise drop on the world could be like uh, uh, buy it now you could call something <laughs> this is kylie minogue and buy it now <laughs> <laughs> you need it. <laughs> you need it in your life. Uh, great to talk to yeah. you again, Kylie. Well done. Thank you. Lots of love to you Lots and everyone love. listening. All right. Thanks for being Bye. there, Kylie. Kylie's brand new 15th album, uh, Disco, is out today. And if it goes to number one, she will equal that record with David Bowie. He's the only solo artist in the UK charts to have achieved number one albums in five consecutive decades. Cliff is not going to be happy. Let me tell you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Q on Virgin Radio. Directing transatlantic rehearsals via Zoom, nothing can stop our next guest bringing magic to the stage. His brand new production of Cinderella hits the West End next year. And here to tell us more, glass slipper in hand, it's Prince Charming himself, the legendary <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Chris. Prince, How are you? Good. Prince Charming. You've ever been called Prince Charming before? No, I haven't been called Prince Charming. <laughs> but the unfortunate thing about Prince Charming yes. in our show is, is that he has disappeared and is lost in action. Yes, I so, know. But hopefully he will be back, back, back. What's going on? Uh, well, you know, of course, we should have opened a month ago, which mm -hmm. is really the whole thing has been, as you know, a bit of a nightmare for theatre and for everybody in live entertainment and live music and the whole lot, lot of us. Um, so, but we are going to open next May, whether I have to chain myself to the railings of Downing Street or not. <laughs> All right. OK. So, I mean, how close were you? Um, you know, how are the crew? How are the cast? When did you have to stand them around? Just tell us the story of what it's been like in the theatre over the last six months. Well, the thing is, is that 
it's really goes back almost a year, I have to say, because we first heard about the virus um, in Korea in January. Right. Um, and um, I have productions all over the world and um, I had two in Korea at the time. And our local producers told us that, you know, this was on its way. And come the beginning of February, we absolutely knew it was. So um, we had to plan. We planned then that what we were going to do is that we knew, we guessed that the theatres would have to close down. Um, and uh, it, it turned out to be that way. So we planned uh, a lot of work for the buildings that were, that, that I own um, to get on with things that would not happen if a show was running. Right. Um, uh, so um, we continued a lot of work at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane, which is completely rebuilding and refurbishing from end to end. Um, but we're also doing work at the Gillian Lynn. We've completely re remodelled that theatre. We've got on with the um, the Aldwych, the, I'm sorry, the Adelphi, and we've got on with um, Her Majesty's, where Phantom plays. A lot, a lot of work getting on, because I think one has to make a virtue out of all of this. But the other thing, of course, that I've been fighting for is to prove that we can get theatres open safely. And that is something that Korea triumphantly did. And Korea did it through a combination of getting a really efficient uh, test and tracing um, regime going immediately, which they absolutely did. Um, and of course, we have failed to do. And um, they also incredibly, incredibly stringent measures within the buildings and theatres themselves. But I'm an optimist, and I think the vaccine, I'm on the vaccine trial, the, the Oxford vaccine trial, and I've had no ill effects from that at all. And I'm hearing very exciting things that the vaccine may get rolled out earlier than we even thought. Right. So I'm an optimist. You are an optimist. You're a realist as well. And I think that, you know, the best optimist is somebody who has the foundations in reality and what's going on, because it's the only way, really, it's the only place to really sort of move or be able to take action to move in the positive direction away from. Now, so much, so much to ask you about that. So you had a, you had a visceral, real heads up in February. Yeah, you knew it was coming because you, you had people on the ground where it was and it was inevitable that an airborne virus like this is going to get around the world, especially nowadays when so people move around the world on a regular regular basis. Um, did you have any idea of the severity with which it would hit us all? Well, um, the Koreans were very worried about it. And um, so the answer is yes. I think the, in, in the first week of February, I knew that the government here was very worried about it. I'm just surprised they didn't actually move a bit earlier. Um, that's, that's the thing that I still, still doesn't quite uh, add up to me, because I think everybody knew that come the, beginning of Feb well, come the beginning of February, I think a lot of people knew that it was going to be bad here. Um, and it was sort of confirmed to me, I can remember exactly, because it was on Valentine's Day, um, and I was at, at, at a dinner with a lot of people who said, this is serious. And um, so th there we go. But we are where we are. And I actually do think, um, I'm just feeling a pretty optimistic that come sort of February, I think we'll have an awful winter, really, but I but come February, I think things will get back. And my dog thinks the same. <laughs> okay, I can see it being backed up there. Just the one dog, Andrew? Uh, just the one, okay. yes. All right, okay. Other than supporting their local theatre and buying tickets for, for anything that's, you know, being advertised that's coming up and hopefully going to happen in 2021, and if it doesn't, hopefully, you know, those tickets can, if you hold on to them when it does happen, they'll still be valid. What would you like people to do? What can we do to help out? Well, um, now I think it's go to your theatre when it's safe. I mean, um, I, I'm 100% uh, certain that the... If you go to the Palladium pantomime, if that's allowed to open this year, which we hope it will, um, that, you know, we, we're going to comply with the 
social distancing, of course, but the measures that are taking place in the in the building, I mean, are much more stringent than you'd even find in a, well, you certainly would find in a restaurant or a bar. Um, and everybody has to wear a mask through the performance. But I think people will put up with that. I've had a show in London where the leading man has worn a mask for about 35 years. <laughs> That's funny. That's always leave with a laugh, Andrew. Okay, so uh, once again, remind us why you came on in the first place. Thanks for everything else, by the way, all this additional and really sort of instructive content. Tell us about Cinderella one more time. Well, Cinderella is written uh, by Emerald Fennell, who did the second series of Killing Eve, and uh, she's very fun, a great fun girl, and it turns the story really on its head. Um, our Cinderella is a very feisty uh, perhaps rather naughty girl and she's a bit of a goth as well and so um, the story <laughs> follows the other but as I said when you kindly introduced me as Prince Charming the bad thing for me if I was playing that character is that I don't really feature because I've been banished and sent somewhere well I haven't been banished I've disappeared doing noble deeds or so we think uh, um, but it's it's a, it's a really good uh, yarn um, and I did it because it's funny and it makes a very very important point for anybody who copies the card Kardashians is, is that beauty is not necessarily what other you don't want to change yourself to make yourself look like what you think other people want you to look like in other words beauty has a price and it's really about being yourself um andrew have a great day thanks so much for being on the show thank you chris thank you very much you're very welcome wasn't he fantastic? Andrew Lloyd Webber, sorry, Lord Andrew Lloyd Webber, uh, talking about Cinderella, and you can book tickets to go and see it now, lwtheatres.co.uk. Cinderella, the Gillian Lynn Theatre, premieres April. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Q on Virgin Radio. Chris Evans here. Next up, we're speaking to the Oscar award-winning superstar Matthew McConaughey about his memoir, Green Lights. It's a playbook for life. It's a work of genius. I couldn't put it down, and we couldn't be more excited. Good morning, Matthew. You. How's the blueberry in the tomato soup? <laughs> Ready and waiting. We have a big day coming up to see if our blueberry spreads or if the soup keeps on pouring. Just for people who don't know what we're talking about, explain that phrase. So live in Austin, Texas. Um, Austin is a red state. It's a Republican state. Austin is the one Democratic uh, county in the state of Texas. The only blueberry in the tomato soup. <laughs> And how is the state of cowboys and hippians on the eve of the eve of your 51st birthday? Well, you know what? They're the same guy. That's the, my favorite part <laughs> is the cowboys and the hippians are, are, are the same guy on the eve of my 51st. Um, that's the great mix of this, this, this city and why I love it is it's a great mix of both. Okay, and how is the egotistical utilitarian on the eve of his 51st? So far, so good. <laughs> I make those decisions that are best for me and the best for we. Uh, so far, so good. I see you've checked out the book. I like it. I have read it back to front uh, and twice over upside down and in my lady's chamber. Unlike Joe Rogan, who I, I pretty much would bet hadn't read it, but you had a good chat anyhow. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. You uh, um, you definitely, I can tell you read it. You've already brought up a couple of hidden gems that were snuck in there that you probably went, what the hell is McConaughey talking about here? No, I didn't at all. I love, Matt, I loved it. It's, I, I do this, you know, I do this, obviously I do this for a living, but what I also do for a living mostly, um, other than talk on the radio, is read books to talk about on the radio. And this is the most original, uh, uh, most left of field, most useful, um, uh, most fluid and fluent uh, book, uh, playbook slash memoir I've ever read. So congratulations. Tell us about the tell us about the piles, the piles of content that you named out in the desert that manifested themselves into what I've got in front of me. Yeah, so I've been keeping a journal 
for 36 years. Journals, all right? So I've got a big treasure chest full of journals that I've been threatening to take away to the, somewhere in solitary confinement and see what, if anything was worth putting on the page. I've been threatening that for 15 years, but was too kind of chicken to do it. Um, finally, coming on a couple of years ago, I, myself and my wife said, get out of here and go see what you got. I took them to the desert. I unpacked them. And for eight days, I sort of said, what do I have here? And what I had was a huge stack of stories, a huge stack of people, stack of places, stack of prescribes, stack of poems, a stack of prayers, and a whole lot of bumper stickers. So I looked at those and said, well, let's see if there's a central theme in there. That's where the title Green Lights came from. Um, came out of that going, man, you've uh, uh, had some green lights in your life, which are, you know, sort of freedom in our life, things that say proceed, carry on, keep on doing what you're doing. I've had a lot of green lights in my life because of decisions I made. I've had a lot of green lights in my life because I got damn lucky. And I've had a lot of green lights in my life because of my perspective and how I looked at the situation. Um, and I also found that all the red and yellow lights, all the hardships, crises I've had in my life, actually had green light assets within them that I either noticed at the time, later on, or I'll notice on my deathbed. Yeah, this, I mean, you've done so much heavy lifting uh, on behalf of the rest of us, so thanks for that. Let's get straight in there with the, the funny, the fun, <laughs> and the uh, formative and informative, and your mum's extreme swimming lessons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know how young I was, four-ish, three-ish, four-ish. I mean, I had had a couple of swimming lessons, but wasn't yet a solo independent swimmer myself, at least to my knowledge. We were off on a weekend in this place called on the Llano River um, in the central Texas. And there's this, you know, I'd call it more of a river than a creek. Um, it had a nice flow to it. It was over my head. And I was in that river with my mother. And as we approached the sound of the waterfall, which was a good five foot drop onto rocks. Now, when you're four foot, when you're four years old, that, that, that feels like a whole lot more than five feet drop. Well, as she's coming down, going next to me, saying, yeah, yeah, paddle, 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 and I'm paddling next to her. All of a sudden, she lets go of me and walks back up. I get out of the water on the bank and starts walking on the bank next to me downriver, following me as I approach this waterfall. Now, I'm flailing. Whoa, mom, come get me, come get me. I can't swim. She's like, swim, swim, swim. And I'm like, mom, mom, mom. She goes, no, swim or go over the falls. Well, that day I learned to swim. And I, I made it to the uh, to the side of the bank about six feet before going on the falls and never needed another swimming lesson. One more question. So I've been talking all week about the fact you're going to come on the show. And one guy screamed mm -hmm. via the text, the email. Then he went on Twitter. Then he came on Instagram about a thousand times and said, I can't believe you got McConaughey on. I'm losing my hair. Ask him, what do I do? Aha. Uh -huh. Well, sir. At 51, my hairline is better than it was at 35. Right, come on now. And I've never had a needle or a hair put in my head. I got on this stuff called Regenex. It's a topical. You rub it. It worked for me. I had an aboriginal handshake with somebody who said, look, if you really mean that you're going to grow your hair back, and I do too, and we both believe it, it'll happen. Now, I'm not much into Ooga Booga, okay? But whatever I'm telling you is I used to have a silver dollar of baldness on the top of my head, and it ain't there anymore because I got hair growing out of it. Um, Propecia is a good deal. If you want to maintain what you got, Propecia will not help you grow back more hair, but it will help you maintain what you have. I had, I went to a, uh, uh, a hair transplant doctor who just said, look, I just want to meet you to see your hair because I know you have the best hair transplants ever because it our, our form every year, our international form, 
We always bring up your slide of you and your hair, and we use you as the example of the best hair transplants ever. And we ask the entire international world of hair, tra hair transplants, which one of you did it? And no one ever raises their hand. Why? Because no one did. And he goes, the last two years, there's this guy from Sweden who raises his hand and says, I did this. And he goes, I just need to see your hair because I think this guy's lying. And now I know he's lying because you've never had hair transplants. So I'm going to go back and go, you didn't do it. You're just lying. And he goes, that guy's gotten so much business off of saying he did your hair transplants, which he never did. That, see, that's so unSwedish. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think? So unSwedish. Matthew, thank you so much. Um, uh, good luck with everything. I hope it all works out well. I love your book. It's a, it's already a New York Times bestseller, and I know why. Bye-bye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Q on Virgin Radio. We've heard from three top-notch guests already, but there's still so much more to come. F1 world champion Jensen Button takes a pit stop to tell us about his Sky McLaren. GT3 debut at Silverstone. The fabulous Anton Dubeck brings the festive cheer with his enchanting new novel, A Christmas to Remember. Legendary TalkSport host Alan Brazil shares stories from his extraordinary life in his autobiography, Only Here for a Visit, a life lived to the full. And singing sensation James Blunt chats his rip-roaringly funny new book, How to Be a Complete and Utter Blunt. All of that and more still to come. So let's crack on. Dapper Dave, who's next? He's fought in real wars and now fights real trolls on Twitter. His new book, How to Be a Complete and Utter Blunt, is out tomorrow. <laughs> and here to tell us more is a man you may mock on the internet, but he's got a nightclub in his back garden and you don't. Please welcome a complete and utter James Blunt. All right, James. <laughs> Good morning, Chris. How are you doing? Very well. How are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm really well. You know, it's, it's been raining here in Ibiza, which is unusual, and we're celebrating that. Yeah, is it raining or is it tears from heaven for some reason or another? One never knows. Exactly. In an island, a dry island, it's very good. So we yeah. all get excited. Right now, your book, let's get into it in a moment or two. But first of all, can you describe the front cover, please? And then can you take us through how it came about? The cover, I think, is me in a suit, in a swimming pool, on a blow-up um, uh, flamingo. Um, yeah. Blow-up blow up, um, to toys are um, a passion of mine, a fetish <laughs> of mine. Um, and over oh, the guitar, of course, yes. being my weapon of choice. Right. And it's on the cover of my book called How to Be Utter Complete and Utter Blunt, um, which is out on the same day as Lockdown 2.0. So it's a giant inflatable pink flamingo. You're suited and booted properly like you're going out somewhere in a bright yellow suit, grey tie, white shirt, uh, lovely plimmies uh, without socks, very good look, and your guitar. Uh, is that the sea? Is that the pool? Uh, where where are we looking? What are we looking at there? That is the pool. Um, it's a pool in London. I mean, the cover is the best bit of the book, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and uh, and we shot it in someone's house in London, and it, I mean, it was an amazing place. In someone's house? I thought that was an outdoor pool. That's a mighty big indoor pool, my friend. Mighty big pool, isn't it? Mad. Yeah, yeah. Anyone you know? Anyone you can talk about? No, no one I know. No, I've okay. just no. Right, so just managed to find my way in there. So this is a book. Um, it's 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 entries. It's entries. It's posts on Twitter from you two people and. Uh, from people replied to by you. So we're going to play a guessing game here. And you've now become legendary at this. But you're not as obsessed with Twitter as this book might make out. Let's let's throw that caveat in there first. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so really, this actually is like my, my 12 years on Twitter condensed down into a diary um, of a year's worth. Um, and I take you on a journey, really, of my experience of, of being a reluctant 
um, person online <laughs> and who I meet and how I respond and also the kind of dates of history along the way. You know, it carries, it captures Carrie Fisher's death, um, my spat with Chris Bryant, the MP, um, and uh, and a little and the dalliances that I might have had with. But, you know, wonderful Noel Gallagher and, and all that he had to say um, that's uh, positive in the world. Now, as a man, and we've talked about this on the podcast, as a man who has literally stared death in the face, uh, this holds no fear for you whatsoever. So you've never been wobbled by a single tweet? No, I, I haven't really. Um, uh, no, I think my parents have said much more um, unkind <laughs> things to me over the years. All right. OK, can you, can you guess your replies to these things? These are all in your book. Uh, why is James Blunt not touring in Scotland? Your answer? Because the Scots have taste. OK, that's what he tweeted back. Absolutely bang on. Uh, James Blunt, uh, why you only got 200k followers? Uh, Jesus only needed 12. That's right. Perfect. Good. Uh, happy birthday to me. This is from you to you. Happy birthday to me, 27 years old, in... Uh... In Spice Years. Spice Girl Years. <laughs> Spice Girl Years. Good. Uh, Chris Martin is not the guy who sang that annoying Your Beautiful Song right, posted someone. I think I just said, no, he's the guy who sang that annoying Paradise song. <laughs> yeah, OK. We should play both, actually. We should uh, put them head to head. Right, uh, one more. Um, I thought James Blunt died on Easter Sunday. Somebody said this. Um, I've got a couple of answers for this. Maybe I said I did, but you'll never guess what happened on the third day. Da, 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 da. And are these instant? Do they come to you instantly, or do you have a think about them? Do you discuss them? Do you have a team of writers? Um, uh, I do actually have a team of writers. <laughs> yeah, um, Justin Bieber writes a lot of the teeth for me. Um, who else? I've got Prince Philip lined up. Um, you know, they're all people to refer to. But what I normally do, I have told you this before, but what I normally do is I, I kind of write the draft tweet and then I turn around to someone like my, my, my wife will be nearby and I'll say to her, what do you think? And if she is shocked, horrified and shakes her head and says that's appalling, then I definitely know it's a good one and that's when I press set. Right, when you, when you post a tweet like you did, um, like this one, uh, most, must be approaching that time in my career when I do, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Are you fishing there? Are you hoping somebody sees that? Do you really want to go on the programme? Definitely not. I really hope <laughs> that my career hasn't reached that moment and I do have another world tour lined up for March and I'm still in the music business. <laughs> uh, right, let's talk about the, because as I said, we've had sort of a bit of this conversation before on the podcast. Musically, what are you up to? What do you want to? What messages do you want to get across to people? Well, you're sweet. I mean, you know, the, my my tour was cancelled halfway through. I reached Germany, um, and then the pandemic hit, so we put the whole tour back, kicking off in March. Um, hopefully, we've all got a vaccine by then, or at least I'll, I'll try it first as a, as a guinea pig. If anyone needs, then we'll get back on the road and and travel around, um, which we're really looking forward to. All right, and obviously, you know, because you just said before, um, lockdown kicks in. Lock round two is what we're calling it. What's going on where you are? Well, obviously, there was um, great panic, uh, panic buying, um, and, and so that's why I'm putting this book out. For anyone who missed out <laughs> on Lou Roll um, during the panic buying, this book is out tomorrow um, and, and doubles up for those. And it's specifically designed to be bought, put in your loo, and read while sitting on the loo. Okay. Um, I, I think that's, that's what we've covered that base. I was going to say, because the pages are of a certain texture, you obviously had that in mind. All you need is the little perforations. Triple, triple quilted pages, just for you, Chris. Let's just see. Let's just see if it would work. Hang on a second. Well, there you go. I, ha I, have, I have a leaf out of the book. Obviously, obviously the, next yeah, stage, the next stage of the you process. The first, can't believe the first copy of my book and you're already desecrating it. James, I love you. Thanks for being on the programme. Great to hear your voice. Lots of love. And that book is out tomorrow. James Blunt, How to Be a Complete and Utter... 
Blunt, my friend. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Q on Virgin Radio. He's had some fancy trips around Europe with Mr. Coogan on Sky, but now he's back in the van and back with the band. His new show, A Night of Songs and Laughter, is hitting the UK next year. And here to tell us all about it is a man that always leaves a good impression. It's the brilliantly lit Rob Bryden. <laughs> Hello, Rob. <laughs> Good morning. Hello. How are you? I'm all right. Brilliantly lit. Yes. You are brilliantly um, lit. Well, on that on the YouTube channel, but I'm starting to wonder now. So many people are talking about it. Is it too much? Is it is it misrepresentative of the goods? Let, mm. Let's first of all uh, let's flag up again and um, what you're really on for to sell tickets for next year's event. Tell us about that. Well, yes, I'm going back out. We started this tour with the band uh, earlier this year. Then uh, the lockdown happened, we had to stop, and it was such a shame because I was loving it and working with a band was lovely. So it's an eight-piece band, and we're going around Britain. It's funny songs, serious songs, stories. It's just, you know, an entertaining night, Chris, is what I'm trying to give people. And the band that I have are fantastic. And it's one of those nights, because I've, I've shared the night with you like this at Carfest. It's one of those nights, one of those performances, one of those sets. It's just, you, you go there, it's like, it's like a, a warm bath that never gets too, too cold. You just sit well, there. Yeah. You sit there with Bryden. That's what you want. That's that, what you want. That's you know, what everybody just, just wants. To, just to give people a, a nice time, you know. And, uh, yeah, and I put off doing it for years, because I think there's... There's a thing about, you know, when a bloke off the telly tells you he wants to sing, you know, you sort of, oh, no, here we go. But, of course, over the years, I've, I've done it in, you know, on different radio shows and TV shows. And eventually I thought, no, I'm going to take the plunge. I'm just going to do it. And I'm so glad I did because um, it went down very well. And, and I love doing it. Yeah, and you know, I've been in your company. You've you've very kindly hosted charity lunches for us, you know, and you always deliver. And you know, there is an off switch. If you turn up, you know, you you go big or you go home or you don't even leave home. And I'm sure it's. I've never seen your theatre show, but I can't wait to, to hopefully get to see it next year. Oh, I'd I'd lo- I'd love you to come. I think you like it. The things that you and I have done, like the Carfest, was just such a good time. It was so good. The 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 atmosphere there. The the feeling there, well, literally the feeling, and <laughs> <laughs> that was unintentional, Chris. So you can have that one. Okay. Um, and it was, it was such a good time. I know you played that bit of what I did with Sophie, and and uh, you know, but you know when when Charlene, I sang that song with Charlene, Suspicious Mind. Yeah. That was totally unplanned. You know, we were just sat down, my, me and my family, right down in the front of the crowd, and she saw me and said, "Get up!" And of course, I'm such an old tart, I couldn't resist, mm. so I. <laughs> We got up and sang Suspicious Minds with Texas. It was such a good atmosphere. It was great. So, Nights of Songs and Laughter, hopefully beginning in real, uh, on Saturday, 27th of March, 2021. If you buy tickets, I'm sure they'll be valid if, if dates have to be moved. It finishes... Exactly, Chris. You know, we've just yeah. got to be positive. We've just Absolutely. got to be positive. We've got to start planning. And, of course, if for whatever reason it can't happen, it'll all be rearranged. It will happen eventually. Right. But, we're, 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 you know, we're going for it. So, support Rob. Uh, support yourselves. Get out there. Have a, have a night of uh, warmth laughter community uh, conversation um you know uh, songs can people get up can they join in does that happen do you encourage that it- yeah we don't well i always talk to the audience in, in all of my stand-up shows so in this one i do i end up doing a song about the audience about the people that we've met and also we have a great bit where we ask people just to challenge the band you know they shout out songs you get like um uh, bohemian rhapsody and, and all these different things you played born to run earlier you know and they shouted that out and it, the band is so good that they can pretty much do anything as long as they've heard the song at some point <laughs> and that's fantastic because you see the song sort of being formed in front of you and uh 
oh, that, that's one of my most enjoyable bits because it's new every night. So, you know, the, the bandadine there bit, which is the sort of more sort of layered bit, um, elaborate bit, if you don't mind me saying, and then, then you, you've got it. You can't mess it up because you've got to know the words then. <laughs> yeah, and if I don't know them, I'll make them up. Right, OK, fair enough. Uh, have you ever tried to make Bohemian Rhapsody up? Because that can't be easy. No, everybody, know everybody that. knows that. Everybody knows that. Well, of course they do. That's, that's a religion, Chris. If you, if you don't know Bohemian Rhapsody at 55, you never will. No, you never will. Uh, robbryden.live is where you need to go to find out more about this live show. Go and check it out. Robbryden.live is where you need to go. He's already done it. He knows it works. We know that it's all covert re- uh, on-the-road rehearsal for next year's Carfest. We know all that, but we'll, we'll let that one slip. It's fine. What else could, yeah. would, would you like us to mention before you go? I don't know. I just, I, I just, I was listening from when you were talking to the guy who was uh, sailing, and uh, it was just such a lovely, upbeat show, Chris. I don't want to embarrass you, but it was, and, and everybody will say that it's what we need at the moment because, good God, it's relentless at the moment. So it's, I just think that what you're doing is absolutely lovely. Put that, a smile on my face. That was great until you uh, suffixed it with a comma at the moment. I mean, well, yeah, because yeah, we won't need. Yeah, once it's what we need normal. at the moment. No, it's, it's like a lifeboat. It's it? like a lifeboat. Am I the yeah. life? Seriously, a lifeboat's okay when the ship's sinking, but you're not going to live on it for the rest of your life, are you? No, but no, but you know what I'm saying. No, I you don't. Know no, saying. I don't know what you're saying, Rob Bryden. At the yes, moment, yes, you do, Christopher. No, okay, all right, okay, fair enough. Yes, you do. Um, you, 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 smart man. How's the family? Oh, we're good. We're good. So we so wanted to come to um, to Carfest again. Do you remember that bit where my wife, my two little boys, and I were sat on a sofa at the side of the stage watching somebody, and you brought a box of sweets and crisps over and asked them to choose, and my little boy took so long looking through each one, and I was thinking, for God's sake, choose something. He stood there with the box. This is Chris Evans holding the box for you, and you and you just picked the box up and tipped everything over my entire family. That made a huge impression on my boys. Good. Uh, well, let's hope they're over it by the time they're 18. Um, <laughs> uh, Rob, I love you to death. Um, stay safe, my friend. I love you too, Chris. Hope to see you soon. Cheers, pal. Rob Brydon, what a hero. What a great, great man. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Q on Virgin Radio. You can take the man out of the car, but unless you're a medical professional, you can never take the car out of the man. This weekend, he makes his GT3 debut driving a very nice Sky-branded McLaren. It's live on Sky Sports F1 on Sunday, and he's live on the Chris Evans Breakfast Show right now. Please welcome Jensen Button. All right, Jensen. (laughs) Good morning, Chris. (laughs) How's it going? Uh, Really good, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, very well too, thanks. Right, so ahead of this weekend, a bit of fun for you. Uh, British GTV Silverstone 500 in your Sky-branded brand new... uh, uh, shiny box fresh McLaren. Um, what's going on? What can you tell us about what you're up to? Well, I'm actually racing for my own team, Jensen Team Rocket RGN, Woo! and uh, we've had yeah, exactly, fancy. Uh, we've uh, we've had one car in the championship all year, which is two young guns. One's actually a gamer. Can you believe that? He's his first year of actual racing real cars this year, and he won his first race. <laughs> what, from <laughs> from the virtual world to the track, and it was as easy well, as that. What does it say about oh, the rest of us racing drivers, exactly? Me. So, yeah. yeah, we've got James Baldwin right. and uh, Mike O'Brien in the other car. And then I'm racing alongside my best buddy, 
uh, Christopher Buncombe. So we're we're racing in the championship at the last round, which is at Silverstone this weekend. Right. I mean, that's a, that's a right giggle, isn't it? I mean, I know that uh, the rest of uh, most of the, rest of the UK is in lockdown, lot round two, and they're saying uh, it's all well and good for you having a bit of a laugh. But we can join in the fun virtually. We we can uh, watch it on Sky Sports, Sky F1. Now, Jensen, when you're preparing for a race like this, because and you know, and you can't say this about yourself, but I can because it's true. You know, you're so so naturally good at driving. Do, do you have to think about it, or can you literally jump in a car and be competitive? This is really different for me. This is this is so different to what I'm used to. There's 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 downforce, but it's very minimal. The car's heavy, it bounces around, um, and I've never driven it in the dry. So if we have a dry weekend, which is quite unusual in the UK at the moment, but it's looking dry, it's going to be tricky. You know, I'm racing against some of the best GT drivers in the world, and um, you know, to be at the front is going to be tough. But we'll do our best. Yeah, and you're going to have a target on your back, aren't you? I know, that's the worst thing. Yeah. I mean, there's 38 <laughs> cars racing as well. And yeah. it's like double what normally races in the British Champs. So it's going to be a competitive weekend. And uh, hopefully with everyone with, with lockdown and all what everyone's going through, we can put on a good show and, uh, and make people smile a little bit. I can't wait. So are there going to be different heats on the day? Is it just the one race or what? So we have qualifying tomorrow, practice and qualifying. So I get two hours in the car, which is shared between me and my teammate. Right. And then we qualify. And then the race is Sunday, 12.50 on Sunday and it's a three-hour race, so loads of action. Uh, so what kind of McLaren is it you're driving? It is a McLaren 720S nice. uh, GT3 spec. So it's got big wings on it, um, and, and the colour scheme looks pretty awesome. Um, the the colour scheme is based around the Braun, so when I won the World Championship in 2009. But, yeah, <laughs> but with the Sky Spectrum colouring on it, which it just it looks really cool. Let's just talk about Ross Braun for a second, uh, because how great, just how great is Ross Braun as a bloke? <laughs> he's a he's a lovely guy um i remember when he walked into um, what became braun so it was honda in 2007 and we were in a really bad spot you know we just weren't quick not competitive everyone's head heads had dropped and he walked in the room and immediately it's like right let's get back to work and it just changed everyone's focus and made a massive difference to the team and look at him now he's running the sport He's going to change it for the better in 2022. New regulations, and we'll see a much more competitive Formula One. Why are they leaving it a year? Why can't we do it like tomorrow? Well, it was supposed to be this uh, next year, but because of COVID, it's just they, you know, people haven't got enough time to, to make the changes. Simple as These that. These things take a long time to build, yeah. When you get behind the wheel on Sunday, I mean, will you be excited? How much do you still love driving? Oh, absolutely love it. But I'm also really competitive still. So if I don't win, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a lot. And there's a good chance we won't win, but, but we're going to do our best. <laughs> OK, listen, have a great weekend, Jensen. I definitely will be watching. I can't wait. This is going to be a load of fun, isn't it? It will be, yeah. It's going to be great. We're very lucky. <laughs> very, very lucky that we're able to go out and have some fun. To yeah. Fair. And you said before, you said uh, if you don't win, it's going to hurt because you're still competitive. I think it's going to hurt anyway because I think everybody's going to be after you. I don't think... If, they, if, they, if, they, if they're not competitive, they're like, as long as we take button out, we don't give our monkeys. Seriously, watch out. You must bear that in mind all the time. Yeah, but they don't want to... Crash. Of course, no, no, they don't want to crash. crash. They just, they just don't want you around. They go, well, yeah, I took him yeah. off, you know. So, you know. I mean, it's gonna be, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. I've uh, had some nice messages from people I'm racing against. So yeah, looking forward to it. All right, but we'll race safe. I mean, that's the most important thing. Uh, race, racing in the brand new a box fresh Sky McLaren. That's Jensen Button Sky Sports F1. 12:45 p.m. this very Sunday. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Q on Virgin Radio. He may have been voted off strictly this year already, but fear not. He's back oh, no. with some ball-ball-based ballroom action. His latest novel, A Christmas to Remember, is out now. So please welcome.
a man that's a dancer, a prancer, and always as right as rain, dear. It's the most excellent Anton de Beck. Morning, Anton. <laughs> genius. That's all I can say. Genius. Yeah, I thought he was going to say dancer, prancer, and boy, is he a chancer. Here he comes again <laughs> with his third novel. It's Anton de Beck. Did you think? Did you think about it, Dave? Absolutely not. Of no. course not. <laughs> right, Anton. How are you, my friend? I'm very, very well. So, Anton, yeah. let's scotch the, these tabloid myths that the that you organised to be booted off Strictly last weekend so you could promote your book this week. Oh, that's just a, a, <laughs> a, a vicious rumour. I'm very but, dare they. <laughs> you know, never let a good gift horse in the mouth. Yeah. And yeah. it's a wonderful book, a stocking filler, I would suggest. Uh, stocking killer, a Christmas to remember. Now I haven't read it, sorry, but I've been busy not sleeping this week because we've been doing so much stuff this week. But it's all been good, all good news. But Vassos has definitely dipped his toe into the water. Anton, oh, I yes. love this. I would not say that this is my natural habitat. Anton Dubeck's no. a Christmas to remember. But I started reading it, and it was just such an antidote to sort of impending lockdown and and chaos in the U.S. elections. I mean, it starts with it starts with a, 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 a it's in the 1930s, isn't it? A naughty chambermaid, and that you know it's going to end right because you've got the wedding invitation <laughs> and you've got the backdrop of the Second World War looming. But you're yeah. in the the happiest hotel in London. It's gorgeous. I love the fact that you you sound that enthusiastic about it because that's how I felt when I was writing it. And also, that's exactly the sentiment I want people to have when they they dip their toe into it. When they walk through the doors to the Buckingham Hotel, that's exactly how I want them to feel. And I'm delighted, really, because um, it is... I hope for it to take people away, you know, and and sweep them along uh, with the story. You're getting quite good at this, aren't you, Anton, on the sly? Well, you know, you know, practice makes perfect and all that. I'm, I'm, the, the thing about it is, I love it. I love doing it. I love telling the stories and um, developing the characters and the plot lines. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it. And this one, maybe because you know, in the first lockdown, um, it was a bit more focused. And I just sort of solely thought about that and that only. That I am, um, I've really loved it. And I, I, or maybe it's because it's my most recent. I absolutely love the way the story has panned out. Okay, it's not so much an antidote, it's a santidote. Yeah, santidote. Santidote. You can have that for the blurb. Um, Anton Dubeck, a Christmas to remember, on the front cover, Downton with Dance, perfect, says Santa Montefiore, another Santa there. There you are, you see, and she knows a thing or two. She does know a thing Let me tell you. How well do you know her? Very, very well. Yeah. I I, I must have... um, speak to her sometime and thank her for that she's a lovely lovely lady see now these are just screaming your books are screaming to be made into something more than a book and by by the way there's nothing better than a book but it doesn't have to be bad to be better Uh, any news on that front well yeah there are you know the the perpetual conversations are going on and there's um we've had some you know how it is in this in this business uh we've had some wonderful conversations and there is some light at the end of the tunnel, but you know when that will be, I don't know. But it, it would it would look fabulous on screen. I've and every, I sort of vis- I can see it in my head and how it's supposed to look, and 
you know, and uh, Maynard Charles is Derek Jacobi, that sort of a character. I can see all the characters already there. I mean, it's marvellous. You could be Raymond Geese, Chris Evans. Uh, well, I am available. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm not, actually. I'm so tired at the moment. I'll be completely honest with you. Went away with the kids. You know this. you got twins, Anton, right? Mm. Uh, yeah. went, went away for the kids for a half-term half, uh, half break. Came back completely knackered. Couldn't wait to get back to work. Come back to work for a rest. Seriously? Oh, yes, I think we're all familiar with that. Absolutely. So, um, Strictly, you did say, didn't you, last week, just before Saturday's episode, you did say you, you will not give Strictly up ever. It may give you one day, but you, you are not leaving any time soon. I'm not going anywhere, no. I mean, and I hope they don't give me up because um, I still love it now as much as I always have. And, and that moment in the, in the results show where you're hoping that you don't get the red light into the dance off. Definitely still the worst moment of the show. And I still feel exactly the same way now as I did before. And if that feeling ever were to leave, yeah. then maybe I'd have to rethink. But it, it definitely hasn't. And I'm always, always mortified when we get voted off, right. uh, whatever stage it is. So and, I just love it. And you've been giving it a touch of the old silver fox, haven't you, this year? Don't think I haven't well, noticed. Got, Don't think I've I haven't noticed. Well, I've let the autumnal plumage come through, yes. I thought, just for a change. I mean, yes. you can't fight back the tide forever, can you? Yeah, so it hasn't been encouraged, it's been allowed. It's been allowed, <laughs> exactly. I've just I'm allowed it. I think you look, I, honestly, I think you look fantastic. I think you look all the better for well, it. I mean, you didn't look, you you didn't look bad anyway, but you look great. And, well, uh, yeah. You're going to see Steph McGovern, my old pal now, aren't you? Yes, I'm on my way up to see Steph. I shall send her your love. Yeah, I love And that. so um, nice. we'll have a bit of fun on that this afternoon. All right, pal. Okay, so if you could say one thing to get people uh, to think about buying your book for themselves or someone else, Anthony Beck's A Christmas to Remember, what might that be, Anton? It's the most wonderful, wonderful read. Step into it, enjoy yourself, and immerse yourself in it. All right, pal, stay safe. Lots of love. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Q on Virgin Radio. From a footballing phenomenon to a behemoth of breakfast radio on TalkSport, his book, Only Here for a Visit, is out now. And in a world first, it's the only book published that will give you a hangover when you've finished it. Please welcome <laughs> Lord of the Long Lunch. It's Alan Brazil. All right, Alan. Good morning, Christopher. <laughs> I've been up all night watching the elections all night. Now, I bet you have, haven't you? I have not. No chance. Oh, really? What an absolute load of... <laughs> Tosh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, the powerful nation like the USA and they can't get all their votes in to be counted on time. Ridiculous. All right. Well, what is it nonsense? And it's full of facts. Well, sort of, although um, we have to triple check one particular story in here. Alan, is your new book only here for a visit? A life lived to the full from sporting glories to wild stories. I can't believe you've not written a memoir before, Al. I've, well, I think eight, nine years ago I did. I did. But right. there's been so much has happened since then, to be honest. Yeah. That, and TalkSport says, come on, you've got to do another. And I was like humming in hand. And then lockdown came. I thought, now's the time to do it. OK, now you obviously wrote it yourself because we, we were reading it and we are thinking, did he write it himself? We, we're saying you wrote every word yourself on your laptop. It, it feels like that. Uh, no, 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 no. That is <laughs> totally no nonsense. Okay. Right, so who helped you then? It was a ghostwriter. Ben really? from Manchester, that's all I know. Okay. He was pan-picked for me. And, um, you know, because the last time I'd done a book was, uh, as I say, eight, nine years ago. Right. Mike Paddy ghostwrited it. Um, and to be honest, it was all about him. I came in now and again. So we, we decided, no, we'll go a different route this time. All right. Well, he's done a very good job then because he's really captured your voice. Um, so, Vassos, should we, do we leave the true story to last or do we go in with that first or what? 
I think we need to get this cleared up. Right, off you go. So go this on. is quite near the end, Alan. You yes. say after the show. By the way, say, this is my legal representation. Oh, here. I know where this is going. Yeah. Because it's funny, Alan. I heard this story differently. <laughs> after the show, you say, I've had some epic days and nights out. And then you dive straight in <laughs> to an afternoon with our Christopher here. Yes. And you claim... Now, as I say, I heard this differently, that you claim a very posh bottle of wine, a Petrus bottle of wine, was given to you in between shots of tequila while you were on a pub crawl. Well, the the (laughs) Petrus was for the journey in the minicab. I went, I am not drinking a beautiful bottle of wine like that in a minicab. No, Christopher, no. Right. Okay, well, first of all, there was no minicab. It was a really posh car. There was no pub crawl. It's a really, if, if that's a pub, it's the, well, poshest, no, it's the no. poshest pub I've ever you been never in. Ma- I went on a pub crawl. You never made it. Yeah, but the t- tequila's happened at the really big posh place that you own. Yes, yes <laughs> the Ned, the Ned. But you don't go on tequila, Christopher, at 10.20 in the morning. Yeah, but you see, I would go big early. Well, as you know, I go big early. And don't say, and you go home early as well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right, so um, other treats in here. Um Tasty treats. It's all fantastic. Um, we're talking about America. Obviously, you played, you worked in America. Tell us about that. That was fantastic. Um, you know, Ipswich beat uh, Arsenal 1-0 in the FA Cup 1978. Mm-hmm. The following morning, I was on a 6 a.m. flight to JFK, yep. where the New York Cosmos were taking on Detroit Express, who I was going to play for uh, uh, several games. I was on loan. Bobby Robson said, go over there, find some pace. The problem was I had no money, right? With no money on the Saturday morning, Eric Gates, who was a great little player, but grumpy most of the time, wasn't <laughs> sub. There was only one sub in those days, so he was even grumpier. Right. And uh, we had a little walk. We ended up doing the Hackney Morning Dogs in the bookies, and uh, all my all my dollars went. I said, Gates, hey, please, Saturday night, we won one nil party. I need some money, and he lent me he lent me 40 quid, and that saved my life. The problem was, Chris, I get to JFK, no one to meet me, and I've got 40 quid sterling in my pocket. Mm. And the lady in the BA desk said, don't worry, sir, you're going to to the soccer game will get you a helicopter. <laughs> so I rumbled my pocket, 40 quid. No, 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 I'm scared of flying. No, no, just get me a yellow cab. Anyway, I got to the JFK. Um, I got to the stadium, Giant Stadium, New Jersey. Uh, met, someone met me there, paid the cab, thank God. The next thing I knew, I'm back in Detroit. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. As we walked into the local nightclub, right, we lost one nil, played well, bit unlucky. We walked into the nightclub, Chris, 1978, and what was on? Saturday Night Fever. And as the guys and the team were a bit of superstars in that part of Detroit, the, the, the crowd parted. It was just like the movie, and I thought, <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this, that's for sure. And I was there for three months, went all over the states. You know, away games, it wasn't like Rochdale against Bury. It was Detroit against San Diego. Yeah, of course it was. Detroit against Houston, yeah. Detroit against Vancouver. Oh, what a trip! See, I had. when you said I was there for three months, I thought you were going to say the nightclub. Uh, <laughs> well, it was. It, I did get a season ticket there, yeah, to be course, honest. Of yes, of course you did. But it went well. It went really well, and um, we had a big party to leave with, which is another story. Trevor Francis was out there on loan. He he, he was a superstar. Goodness me! And he came out, played a few games, and flew back, and we had a big party. And the next thing I knew, I was getting arrested for all sorts and. Uh, I made it on the plane just, <laughs> right? Sorts. I made it all on the plane sorts. just. You're, you've been arrested for all sorts, young man. I know, I know. But anyway, this was this was even worse. But anyway, uh, because I was leaving the next day, they sort of helped me to the airport. Go on, get get lost. And they're uh, coming over Heathrow. We're circling, Chris. And uh, there's two guys with me, one a goalkeeper, one a fullback, and they were talking about 
how much they'd earned over the time. And one had $32,000, another one had, I think, $29,000. And they woke me up and said, you know, I could sort of hear what they were saying. They sort of nudged me, what, how well have you done? I reached my pocket and I had $80. And in those days, it was two to one, so I'd got 40 quid back for Eric Gates. That was it. <laughs> $80. Yeah, but who was the richest at the end of it all, Al? It's all about the stories, oh. isn't it? It's all about the experiences. Uh, do you know what? It, it was wonderful. I'm, I'll never forget that. You know, I was 19 at the time. It was just amazing. It right. really was. Met so many great friends as well. All right, mate. You're a superstar. Thanks so much, Alan. You're welcome. Oh. Love the show. Thank you. John <laughs> Cougar Mellencamp has just made my day. What a top man. Alan Brazil, his book is out now. Only here for a visit. And so say all of us what he says. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Q on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.